on this episode. Twitter hack. Excuse me, but what it really means and the implications on future technology investments. How BitMEX is aiming to wash away its perceived crypto sins. Fee, DeFi, Fofum, the regulatory giants, SEC and CFTC are coming after DeFi. And in China, blockchain-backed tracking of how often your hotel room is wiped down in a COVID-fearful world. And Beijing releases its Blue Book, a blueprint on how blockchain is being integrated from up high and on the ground and everything in between. Welcome to The Current Forecast, the podcast supplemental that dives into the top blockchain and emerging technology stories of the week, curated by the Forecast News editorial team. Welcome to episode 22. We are rounding off July. I'm Angie Lau, Forecast News Editor-in-Chief. Joining me as usual is our senior correspondent, Sam Reynolds, and our Forecast Insights guru. Sam, how's it going? I am great. I'm actually right now on the dark net trying to bid on the DMs for Angie. <laughs> Angie Lau TV on the Twitter account. Uh, let's see what they have. What, what did I say? Well, it's an auction right now. I don't know the results, oh, but I, I hope they are vulgar. Okay. Hey, thanks, Sam. I'm going to go into God mode right now, and uh, let's see what happens after Sam's account gets <laughs> hacked. It sounds like it's really easy to do. Let's start with our first story. Uh, 5,000% increase in search volumes. Uh, this is probably off the charts by now, but hackers use social engineering to exploit high-profile Twitter accounts uh, to steal just a six figures worth of Bitcoin, $120,000 worth. But the damage is much more expensive than that. Uh, we had prominent figures and corporations among those whose accounts were compromised and what the fallout truly means. So, Sam, yeah, what it seemed to be kind of easy. Yeah, I wouldn't really call this a hack because technically these kids didn't do that much. They found a uh, login for what's called the Twitter God Mode, which is really the Achilles heel of Twitter, which gives anyone access to anything on the platform. So in this case, they didn't do anything too damaging. They simply, you know, got six figures of income from a painfully, almost comically obvious scheme. But it is concerning that this exists because let's pretend they didn't do that. Let's pretend that they told people in a swing state that the polls had moved to this place or they told people that you know this person you know was was sick who was a candidate or they made stock tips that kind of stuff so in the end you know this is not really damaging to the outside world but for twitter it's going to have to mean that they look through their platform and figure out a way to allow people to have control who are authorized to have control of accounts without having the Achilles heel of a widely accessible God mode panel. And I would almost argue that they did everyone here a favor um, because they exposed how easily vulnerable these social platforms are. Twitter, you know, I, I had a I had a, a really candid conversation with uh, Brad Garlinghouse, CEO of Ripple, um, just within 24 hours of this happening. And I was asking him, you know, what his thoughts were on this. And he said, you know, as a Silicon Valley veteran, of which he's been, I think, what, 20 years or so, 
Twitter and, and other social media platforms have essentially become essential services. This is how we now communicate. This is how policy sometimes is being set from an administration level even. Uh, you know, this is the first probably sitting president who's who's uh, breaking White House uh, initiatives and statements on Twitter before anything else. This is a brave new world. And what, what these hackers really revealed as a true gift, if you think about it this way, is how much attention we truly need to pay uh, as to the platforms we take for granted and the security that we take for granted. Because to your point, man, if somebody in a trusted blue tick position said something that could have moved the markets or could have triggered something else, I mean, in this case, it was literally, you know, a uh, kind of a a kid scam. This is this is this is not even a new scam. This is a scam that's been going around for years. And I don't want to say this, but I will say anyways, you know, this might have been actually some kind of inside job to prove that they had this weakness. There is such a comically obvious, you know, methodology here, right? You have a Bitcoin scam that's been done for years. So maybe they were trying to do us all a favor and expose this weakness just so we can all see and understand how Twitter has to be regulated. You know, Twitter is a broadcaster. They are as relevant now as broadcast news was 30 years ago. So I think that this, you know, just shows that Twitter could be in a position where they need more scrutiny and they need regulation. Amen. Uh Amen. Um, Let's go to our next story here. BitMEX. Parent company HDR Global Trading is announcing a new holding structure. It's called 100X Group. You know who else has this name? <laughs> it's it's out there. Uh, but I, I recall a, a crypto influencer who's fairly controversial in this space uh, who also has 100X as, as uh, his name. But anyways... Uh, 100X Group is now BitMEX's uh, parent company, uh, new holding structure. So BitMEX, the brand and the legal structure remains as is. But what is 100X Group? What, what uh, Sam, what is uh, the BitMEX guys up to? So the 100X Group is their play to move into the venture capital space. So as per Arthur Hayes, it's a way to provide capital to firms that are trying to build out a more inclusive and a, you know, a a more encompassing financial system, right? Which all sounds good. But here's the thing, you know, how has DeFi, how has crypto really opened up finance to anyone but those who are already wealthy? So as much as I like DeFi, and it's very exciting as an opportunity for investment, it's only the whales, the people who already have capital, that are actually profiting from this. So, you know, I do welcome uh, Mr. Hayes and his associates into the whole crypto VC space, but I just don't think they're going to build anything except for more tools to help the whales get fatter. 
But sometimes the whales, you know, do move those uh, ocean tides, uh, certainly in this industry. It's interesting, uh, I note, that they've also tapped the former deputy chief executive of the Bank of China in Hong Kong, Dr. David Wong. He was appointed non-executive chairman of HDR Global Trading. So, you know... I have seen I have seen this group in this space. Uh, they do have some uh, uh, traditional, uh, experienced people with some uh, incredible legacy and credibility and experience. So uh, I think it's interesting for this space, and it would be interesting to see what Hundred X Group is going to do uh, at the end of the day if it supports the kind of initiatives and funds, the kind of innovations. Uh, but again, you know, this is, if Dr. David Wong is is an embodiment of, hopefully a testament to and a nod to playing within the regulatory frameworks and really kind of thinking within the traditional legacy framework and how to innovate that using technology. Definitely. I, I do welcome him as well. And I think that his inclusion as a former big boss in the old school finance world is very interesting. All right. Also very interesting here. Wow. Talk about Bigfoot. Uh, SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission, and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC, they're both teaming up here. It looks like they're going after tokenized stock and currencies trading platform Abra, uh, Abra is accused of offering unregistered securities and must pay $300,000 in fines. Here's the more integral part to the story beyond the the figures and, and offering uh, unregistered security securities. It, it really is a signal here beyond that that it seems that they're making their move on DeFi. That's right. Now, there's one time when the idea of moving fast and breaking things was the modus operandi of the crypto slash ICO space. However, that led to dozens, if not hundreds of SEC sanctions against crypto firms offering unregistered securities. That being said, it is now 2020. Hopefully it's over soon. And... <laughs> Hester Pierce, in a recent interview with yours truly, not me, but, you know, my associate here, (laughs) Forecast News, (laughs) Um, she did say that there is some internal soul searching right now at the SEC to ensure that you do have regulations which protect investors, of course, and ensure that bad actors, you know, can't make off with people's hard-earned money. However, at the same time, that Howey test, which is the the rule book about what and what's not a security, it's believed internally that it could be too rigid. I believe she said uh, that you know most DeFi or crypto projects can't get started without mm. breaking this how we test, without fouling the law somehow. Mm. So that signal from the SEC shows that there is a view that they have to adjust the law and they have to create sandboxes and allow for innovation. At the same time, they still expect firms to respect the law. You have to make an attempt to play ball. You can't just ignore the law. Well, here's me reading uh, between the lines or in Asia, we call it reading the tea leaves. 
first and foremost, ABRA, the, the legal construct that ABRA used in these swap contracts, uh, you know, is the underlying contract that most DeFi uses. So, so essentially going after ABRA for this specific specificity, what SEC and, F- and the CFTC is, is signaling is that we are paying attention. What I, if you take a look at the fine, it's three hundred thousand dollars. That's actually really quite small. Uh, that's probably somebody's like last month's legal retainer fee. Um, you know, I'm tongue in cheek. I probably know too many expensive <laughs> lawyers, but right. But um, in this space, I mean, these these uh, law bills can can rack up pretty high. But but the the three hundred thousand dollar amount seems quite small to me. Talking with Hester, who's who's really, you know, a real thoughtful commissioner of five. Yes, of five. In this space. So it's great that she has influence, but she, she it's not arbitrary, obviously. They work in concert with each other. Uh, what she also signaled uh, and what she shared very candidly with me in our interview was that she begi- she's beginning to see her colleagues pay more attention. They're being more educated. They're being more thoughtful. You know, obviously, she has led this. Um, she's calling for the three-year moratorium. She's talking for a, a, a lot more inclusivity of voices in this space. And I think that potentially, this is that signal that we're paying attention. We we are seeing what you guys are doing. The DeFi uh, trend happened under their watch very, very quickly. They are not out ahead of it at all. This is their first signal to this community that they're paying attention. But if you take a look at that dollar amount, it is, once again, actually quite small. I think in one way they're saying, we're paying attention, Don't, we're, we're serious about it, but it's not, uh, you know, it's not a death warrant for, for Abra. Uh, by no means. That's something that they could likely afford. And it welcomes more conversation in the space. Definitely. So the fine itself is not going to be crippling. It's painful, but not crippling, which shows that for other firms, pay attention, right? Watch our ruling and watch how Abra can fix itself. You know, watch these next few steps because it'll give you a pathway to successfully launch these projects without breaking our rules. Yeah, I do think like I I do think that 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 conversation uh, amongst regulators it's it's not as strict and dire as as uh, it might originally uh, appear. Over in China, Sam, we gotta we gotta tell people what's happening in China. First of all, uh, COVID is uh, now being monitored. In inter- oh, wait, let me let me clarify that COVID cleaning is now being monitored. On the blockchain, the international, uh, sorry, the intercontinental hotel group, IHG. Uh, I've stayed at a couple of them. They, they're very nice. And now, if I stay at one in China, I can QR code on my phone, find out what products they used. Uh, if somebody was wearing latex gloves, applying those products to clean the area when this was last cleaned. Uh, Probably a whole lot more as well. Yeah, so hotels are disgusting. They are just gross. And in a global pandemic, people really want to ensure that where they are is clean. People need to know that 
their place of residence for the next two or three nights has been cleaned thoroughly because the person that stayed there last <laughs> might have had COVID, if not other things. Sam, I don't um, know where you stay. Why uh, to have such a blanket statement <laughs> saying it's disgusting? I I just don't want to know where you stay. Okay? Well, I am. Uh, I won't. I won't. I won't. I uh, won't let this audience know which points program I'm a member of. I don't want to defame anyone, but generally speaking. There is lots of leftover、yes. from the prior guest in the hotel room, and people need to know that there is more confidence in cleaning. So, in this case, they can inspect the records, and should there be an incident where the hotel is being accused of being a vector of transmission of a certain disease, they can go back and point to their cleaning to say, "No, this area was cleaned with this chemical at this time." So, the infected person who walked through there. Could not have been、uh, infecting others because our stuff was clean. Wow! So, yeah, that's a new layer of evidentiary support, probably for any legal argument in an upcoming future COVID case. That's that's the world we live in, folks. And and finally, we've got、uh, that. This is this is actually really super important, and we we. It's last, but definitely not least.、Uh, local Beijing government is publishing its、uh, 145-page blueprint of、uh, blockchain-based innovations and applications in GovTech in in、uh, the section of Beijing governmental affairs. That's that's pretty huge. Yeah. So this is another endorsement from China that they do see a lot of value in blockchain, especially for things like、uh, records. So in this case. All of your interactions with the government、uh, of Beijing, the city government, for things like taxes paid on property, property conveyance,、um, you know that kind of stuff, is put in the blockchain. Which means that you know if you want to look at those records and refer back to them, or need them notarized, you have this ready to go, and it can be used in court. It can be used to support、uh, a property sale. It can be used in many ways because it's on the blockchain, and you have that extra layer of security. Security, and we bring it back to security.、Uh, you know, this this、uh, if this Twitter hack doesn't remind us of of the kind of security that this new world actually needs, and COVID consistently reminds us that we have to keep our personal security、uh, in check,、uh, as well as the the rest of our friends and family and our neighbors.、Um, so. Having said that, stay well, Sam, and the rest of you.、Uh, keep safe out there, and wear your masks. It works in Asia, so that's just a vector point for you.、Uh, <laughs> we'll see you right here next time on the Current Forecast. It was great to have you all join us. I'm Angie Lau, editor in chief, Forecast News, and Sam Reynolds. Until next time. Until next time.